Seeking Entertainment. I am one of your hosts, Chris Peterson, founder, czar, leader of Onstage Blog at onstageblog.com. And joined with me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? Hey, what's going on, Chris? What's up, people around the internets? I have so many inter- so much entertainment. I am knuckle deep in entertainment. I'm ready to rock this week. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, Ben, why don't you start off by giving us the rundown of the show what we're all about, the whole nine yards, and, and I'll explain why I sound a little different this week, I guess. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, so on this podcast, we talk about all things entertainment. That is, that's theater to movies to music, anything. And then we break down five news stories each. We go back and forth. But here's the catch, folks. Chris doesn't know what I'm bringing. I don't know what Chris is bringing. And we'll have these major discussions about the world of entertainment today. And then at the end of the show, we go YouTubing. We go through our favorite YouTube videos of the week. There, I mean, it's it's so simple and yet so genius at the same time. So I know. Well, I and I, I well, I think like you know, I've been listening to more podcasts. Let's get into sun. I've been listening to more podcasts recently with, you know, thinking about our stuff. You know, how can we improve our format and stuff? But I think we're good as far as format because I don't think I think a lot of people. What really irks me is when I feel like something's prepared. You know what I mean? Mm, mm-hmm. That really bugs me out. Like, I, I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast this week, which is really funny. And you got a sense that some of the bits were kind of either they knew them already. I mean, Dana Carvey was on there, and I, I and I love Dana Carvey, but I got a sense either they were prepared or Conan knew the bit, so he kind of led him into it. And I just uh, that always feels kind of not in the moment. And that bugs sure. me out for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why it bugs me because it's still a comedy bit. I don't know. It's just me. Well, I mean, that's why that that's what makes our podcast so great is it's it's in the moment. It's it's technically live. I mean, I mean, what you're getting you in is is genuine reaction, genuine statements, hot takes left and right. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about, which I I, I love that. Or when it's you and Bobby, you make me racially uncomfortable, or <laughs> <laughs> you bitch about a water park for like fifteen yeah. minutes. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine, I guess. I guess. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I like uh, how well, I'm making folks, you apologize to me. That's great. I know, right? <laughs> what a world. What a world. <laughs> um, folks, if I sound like I'm on, I, I'm driving in a car, it's because I'm driving in a car right now. I promise I'm doing it on a head, hands-free uh, device, so I'm not, you know, not doing anything unsafe. But, uh, you know, work is work, and it took me out of state, and I'm driving back. But... So much was happening this week, and I didn't want to delay this podcast any further. I felt like it was the podcast was more important than you know necessarily getting the optimal sound quality out of me, at least. So that's why I wanted to to really do this podcast with me driving. So I apologize for the the fuzziness and the background, you know, airiness, I guess, of of what it sounds like when you're driving. But it sounds um, like it sounds like you're near like a cool running stream. I <laughs> like am. A, Think of like it like a, that. Like a breezy brook. <laughs> it's like a Bob Ross I, painting. Like crazy uh, jumped into a Bob Ross painting. Oh, happy little trees all over the place. <laughs> um, 
I wish I was doing that than driving on I-91 North. I'll put it that way. So uh, there you go. But, Ben, my man, why don't you kick us off this week? All right. Well, we have uh, we were, we took a one-week delay because I was on vacation and I was camping, so I didn't have a lot of time to ingest media. I'm back in the, the land of the living, so we'll be back to it next week, and we'll be back on rotation. Anyway, we had some big news about a week ago that Spider-Man is leaving the MCU mm. and going back to Sony. Chris, I know that the first time I saw this, I think it was you posting on the onstage blog or on your personal page, and I saw this and read up on it. I was like, wow. And uh, the <laughs> fallout of this has just been earth-shattering as far as you have literally the highest-grossing movie of all time. Is that what we're saying about Endgame, <laughs> I believe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and you have one of the mo- main pivotal characters in the movie in both those movies, and they leave it kind of in his hands. The follow-up leaves it more in his hands with Tony Stark tech. You have leading out of the MCU as, you know, Spider-Man's going to be the head of the new Avengers. Here we go. And he is gone. Uh, Chris, what was your initial reaction? Let's get into some major questions that we have. Well, my, my first question was, like, how and why? Like, well, how did this happen? Why is this happening? And then you just realize it all comes down to money. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, millionaires up against millionaires. And I understand theoretically from both sides why they want to adjust this deal. Um, you know, Disney wanted more of a cut. Sony didn't want to give more of a cut because this is basically the only thing they have going for them right now uh, is Spider-Man. Um, but, you know, what's sad is that when things like this happen, the fans lose. And, you know, <clears throat> when you when you think about a Spider-Man movie existing out of the MCU right now, especially if Tom Holland is involved creatively. I just don't know how it works. I don't know how you go from how they ended far from home to having nothing relating to the MCU at all in the next one. Cause I mean, you can't use anything that's Stark related. You can't use anything Avengers related. He is, com- he has to be completely on his own. And in fact, I think you actually have to ditch you probably have to ditch the storyline that they set up um, for the third one, you know, because the, the you know that it's left kind of on a cliffhanger. Um, I think you have to ditch that too. I don't know. I, I there's just there's so many questions here. What, what did you think of it, man? I, I'm totally on board with what you just said. I mean, there's so many loose ends they kind of have to tie up. I, I mean, granted, uh, so you watched uh, Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home, right? Mm-hmm. Did you watch the post-credit sequence where Nick Fury wasn't really there? Right, right. Was do you think that was they knew what was happening and they filmed that and put that in because of that? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, because then that leaves them an out that Nick Fury wasn't even involved with the Spider-Man whole movie, and so right. now you can have Nick Fury or Samuel Jackson, who seems like he's all in be more of the head of the new Avengers, which which isn't a bad storyline. And actually that kind of follows suit with everything, um, especially, oh man, I was thinking of the, I can't think of the comic book right now. It's sitting way over it. I can't reach because my headphones are on. Uh, uh, Origins of Sin, I believe that is the okay. comic book line. Wow, I pulled that out of nowhere. Um, and so nice. that is where, yeah, Nick Fury is not what he seems to be. And I think they set that up with that reveal at the end of that movie. And maybe they put that in because they knew they were losing Spider-Man. That could very well be the case. I mean, 
you know, who knows how long, you know, how far back they knew that, you know, talks were breaking down and, and that this could be a possibility. But, um, I mean, this is huge. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I get it. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of million dollars of, uh, on the line for both studios. So I can understand why, you know, Sony would want to try to, you know, strong arm Disney. But, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Creatively, when Sony did have complete, you know, uh, control of the character, they didn't really do much with them. And they no. kind of screwed it up. So... Well, that was my next point too. Yeah, those amazing <laughs> Spider-Mans are horrible. They're, they're terrible. terrible. They're, they're terrible. unwatchable. They're unwatchable. Like maybe at the time you could have got behind, oh, they're pretty good. But now that you've seen Tom Holland in the MCU playing with the Avengers and just doing what he does and tearing, you're tearing up every time you get in the feels. Every time that kid's on the screen, you want more of that. They just right. built such a great character. I mean, with. Tom Holland being lost, do you lose his best friend too from the MCU? That'd be devastating because that's like, I mean, the cast that they have around, you know, the MJ they have and all yep. the characters were great. And like, I've heard like, you know, Buzz like, oh, well, at least we'll get Spawn in Spider Man, I guess. But it, I, I don't know. People were kind of talking about that Spawn movie with Tom Hardy. And listen, Tom Hardy is one of my uh, three or four major boyfriends in Hollywood right now. <laughs> <laughs> mm, there you but, go. Um, I don't know. I wasn't that much of a fan of the movie. It kind of seemed cliche. Like uh, they... oh, you're talking about Venom. Ve I'm sorry. Did I say Spawn? I, I meant Venom. Spawn. Um, Which I, I think Sony does have control of Spawn, so I don't think you're wrong with that. But right, where yeah. I just I felt like they they rolled into cliches that you just kind of like maybe they're just too faithful to the comic books, and right. we know the comic books now. We're kind of used to them. So the great thing about the MCU is they would start a movie like let's say for instance uh doctor strange right where you know you're going to be an or it's going to be an origin story but you know they start us off with you know the doctor going into a horrible car accident where his hands get lost you know what i mean you're like whoa what's what this guy's supposed to be gaining powers he just lost powers so they were able to kind of change it up a little where you, you didn't feel like you were just seeing the same origin story over and over and over again where i just don't think sony has that maybe they have someone in their back pocket that is the maestro of all this but i don't know as far as i can tell like kevin feige is still over at the mcu and all of these directors i mean the russo brothers you haven't heard anything about them signing on for more marvel but you know they're always willing to pitch in because my god they they must have made a killing on <laughs> i think they're okay now like, they they're, have, they're, they're doing good yeah, they have the right to do any project whatsoever. But Chris, you're totally right. I, I'm so scared about these properties going into the hands, just like that Fantastic Four movie that we don't want to talk about with uh, Michael B. Williams and um, oh, yeah. Miles Teller. I, we don't want to talk about that movie. That's terrible. And like we just kind of skipped right by that and went right to, uh, I don't know, better movies that they were in. And just we're, we're totally forgetting about it. And so let us not forget like when Fox and Sony have these properties – they screw them up big time or they become so convoluted and cliched that they end the X-Men franchise with like Dark Phoenix. And, right. you know, I, I always go through my kind of uh, rating system with movies, right? Like where I like cheesy movies and I like good movies. And these movies fall in that middle category of being so OK that we're going to forget about them in like half a year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and so I, I mean, I'm hoping that the negative the overwhelming negative backlash against this decision um, will somehow maybe kickstart new discussions between the studios and say, look, 
obviously fans are not happy and we need to, you know, take this into consideration. Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you, if, if, if Sony tries to make their own Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and nothing related to anything in the MCU, I, I, I'll, I'm not going to go see it in the theater. I can just tell you that right now. It's not, it's not going to happen. And um, it, it's just, it just, I don't know. I, I just hope that they, they reverse their decision. I really, I, I, I do too. I mean, I'm not going to boycott Sony or I've, I've heard talks about that too, but oh, yeah. that's kind of silly, but I just okay. think that it's just a bad, I think it's a bad business decision because you know, you've already built a brand around this kid and Marvel has proven and Disney has proven that they can turn around movies extremely fast in the MCU and still make a quality product and a good product that people will go see. Like critically reviewed well, just like Spider-Man Far From Home. Like everyone was like, man, I can't believe they're doing Endgame and then this kind of just smaller follow-up Spider-Man movie. And that movie was great. It was fun and it was critically reviewed and it made a ton of money. And it's like they've proven that they can do these movies really fast. They can wheel them out and they have creatives that are willing to tie them all together. And I just hope that they don't just screw it all up, dude. And I, I just have such a bad feeling and I'm with you. I'm, I'm waiting for a home video on that one. Nice. 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 Yeah, nice. All right. Well, let me keep it moving. Um, so, I mean, I, I like how you, the first thing you said there, because it kind of segues into what I'm bringing to the table. Um, folks, I'm just going to pre-warn you now. There's going to be a lot of Disney talk on this podcast because Last weekend was the D23 convention, which is Disney's version of Comic-Con uh, that they do every other year. Uh, ben, did you get to see a lot of the news that came out of D23? I did. I was I was watching it unroll, unfurl on the internet. Nice. Nice. Yes. Well, I mean, I've got a couple things from there that I'll talk about. But, I mean, the big thing for me uh, was they unveiled kind of a new, a brand new Star Wars trailer. And... You know, we've been talking about Star Wars a lot on this podcast and where they could potentially be going uh, with this franchise and what they could be doing with Episode Nine. But with this new trailer, I don't know if you got to see it yet, uh, it ends very ominously. If I probably said that word wrong, ominously. Um, um, ominous. Yeah. Oh, now I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, ominous. 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 Thank you. Ominously. Yeah, there you go. Uh, just, just slow it down. There you go. If you had a um, friend, his name was Lee, and he was like not so good, he would be ominous Lee. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, well, I don't know if you saw, but it ends with an image of seeing uh, Ray in a black hooded outfit, much like the Emperor, wielding a double-edged lightsaber. And this has caused a lot of speculation, uh, a lot of fan guessing. Uh, I've got my theories about what that could mean, but Ben, I want—I I, want to hear your thoughts. Did you get to see that trailer yet? Yep. What do you think? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I know really? I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it from Josh. I know I'm going to hear it from Josh, <laughs> dude. But listen, I didn't think. I mean, they still have my money. Don't get me wrong. Listen, right. I'm—I'm I'm sitting here talking to you. As I'm like pining over what kind of Star Wars tattoo I'm going to eventually get on my body. I mean, listen, I am a fan <laughs> till the day I die. Don't get me wrong. My kid has seen all the movies. Don't get me wrong. But that last Jedi, I, I've tried and tried and I've heard people try to convince me. And they had their chance to turn Rey into that character. They had their chance. They had their opportunity. It was her and right. Kylo 
and Snoke is gone, and he's like, come with me, rule the galaxy, and that was the moment. Imagine she takes his hand and takes off and ditches the rebellion and cliffhanger. Imagine that. On board 100%. On board 100%. I can't wait for this freaking movie. Imagine that discussion. Instead, like I've said, they wanted their cake and eat it too. They wanted that. And they wanted to like keep everything happy, but then at the same time do something subversive to our expectations. And so when I saw that, I was like, here we go. They're subverting. I get it. It's like, you think we're going to give you one thing and we give you the switcheroo. It's like, you can't inorganically make a twist. Hmm. It's like when M night Shyamalan hits wrong. Like it's, it's like, it's like the happening. You know what I mean? It's like, this great trailer and you're like wow this trailer like you i think you said on the podcast like one of the best trailers of all time and like you saw that in the theater you're like whoa dude like and you're like m night here we go and then Mm -hmm. the twist was so weak and you're like you can't just keep uh, twists have to happen organically and in the moment and make you you have to feel something because it just hits you in the right way and when Oh, check it out. Ray's evil. I just, I felt it's so forced and in my face. And it was kind of like one of those things. I'm going to throw this in the trailer. So everyone, I don't know. Chris, tell me, just tell me to shut up. Am I being too much? (laughs) Am I, am I, am I being such a fanboy, like a troll? Am I trolling right now? Am I being a troll? No, I I don't think you're trolling. Um, I mean, I I would say you're trolling if, if like you're angry about Last Jet Last Jedi because like they had an Asian woman in it, like that's that's trolling. That's um, trolling. Okay. That's well, trolling. I, and I, I mean like bar. I want my like 45 minutes back on that casino planet. That's not trolling. <laughs> that's not trolling. I okay, think good. That's a because, consensus. Yeah, because like uh, hour 20 movie, I'd be like, all right, that was pretty good. Not the two hours and 30 minute movie about like these little like camel things that go through the gaming floor I, so terrible Here, here's my problem with what they they've done i mean again when we look back uh, a great question to ask after the last jedi or the rise of skywalker is what was what what was less fulfilling the prequels or this and that's going for me too you know it's it's you're you're in this battle now where you really need this last one to deliver but the problem is is that after the last Jedi, I don't see a compelling storyline they could make, you know, with with Ray being, you know, good. Um, you know, it's just like okay, last the 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 last order is going to try to beat the rebellion one more time and send you know go all in with their chips, so to speak, and that's that's going to be the the thing. And like that's okay, that's like a half an hour. Like <laughs> like that's not. That's not compelling because okay, I, I I get that I see that. Give me something unexpected, and you're you're a hundred percent right. If that movie ends with Ray, and even if, I mean, going off with Kylo, we don't even have to know for sure that she's going to turn badly. Just the fact that she goes with him, it just brings yeah. up so many questions. Oh my god, like, oh, could you imagine that, that? Like he just they just go and leave. Oh my right. god, it would be like wait, where like you know Commander Kylo's gone and like Ray's gone. Like that'd be so interesting. Right. I mean, and, I'll be I'll be 100% honest, honest with you. I think that her double wielding the lightsaber it it comes from like a vision she has in this movie. Yeah, um like right. you know, just like just like in the first movie when she touches the lightsaber for the first time, she has that image. I think just like Luke when he had to face like himself as Vader in Empire, that's right. her that's her moment. And that's like I think they just tease that to get us all talking and like they're not going to turn her bad in the last movie. 
Like that doesn't make sense. Unless unless the unless they're just prepping us for three more sequels. Because Ugh. I was just telling Josh that Ryan Johnson is off on Twitter and interviews just saying my my next three movies are gonna be amazing and Disney can't shut this guy up even quicker quick enough. He's just ruining the brand. We were out somewhere. I saw I swear I was hanging out with Josh and I forget where we were, but something was named like the something Death Star, and he's like, "Oh, you better watch out for Lucasfilm." I go, "Well, I don't think they're really worried about it after the Last Jedi. <laughs> like <laughs> anything to put the name out and keep those spirits up on Star Wars." But uh. I just feel like it, the that movie. And then I was talking to Josh. I mean, listen, I don't think I hated that much on Solo. It was just an okay movie. It was just it was okay. okay. It was so yeah. Solo was so so. If you want me to, you know, like you see those cheesy old movie reviews, like, and that's the headline. That's what I would put. And it was okay. And I just think I was going in with that bad taste in my mouth of Last Jedi. But right. now that brand just keeps, uh, for me, I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I totally disagree with me. I, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry we, I led you down this downward spiral. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my thing is this, is that I, I feel like Star Wars is becoming unfocused just as you know, the, the DC extended universe was unfocused. Like they're just, it feels like they're throwing things against the wall and what they need is a plan. Like they, like just like the MCU, they need a plan to build towards. Cause it just feels like they're just throwing stuff and, you know, just doing movies for the heck of it and stuff like that. It just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's like, it's like when you go, it's like screenwriting. When you, when you go to learn how to to do screenwriting or when you're teaching screenwriting, whatever it is, you talk about your movie's tone or its voice. Mm-hmm. You know, what right. kind of movie do you want? Do you want this to be a gangster movie? Do you want it to be a satire? Do you want it to be this? And I, I just think just putting content on the page isn't enough. You need to look at your movie as a whole and go, okay, put the brakes on. What, if I'm in the audience, do I, should I be laughing now? Should I be nervous? Should I be, you know, in the moment with these characters, or should there be a little distance? Should I be laughing at the characters? You know, it's something that QT is very good at. You know, Quentin Tarantino is very good at, like, you know, I want people to feel along with my characters or be so objective that they don't really care if anyone dies at any second. Or, you know, he's really good at finding pitch and tone in his movies, and that's something that's lacking right now. I think that's what you're feeling, like, where the MCU, we started off with Iron Man, which was this $200 million improv movie with Robert Downey and Jeff Bridges, and they rode that kind of lackadaisical, improv uh, hey, let's just be cool, and then the, the, super, the special effects will make us look even cooler, and we'll just make cool movies. And they rode that for freaking 22 movies or whatever the hell it was. And DC tried that hard-edge Zack Snyder, we're going to be badass, you know, superheroes, but they never really followed it through. They right. never really went all in and did Frank Miller. You know what I mean? That's what you get with that. If you want to do bat, Batman as a badass and killing dudes, let's do it. You'll you'll get close to the movie like Machete, where it's like just someone just going around vigilante style killing people. Let's do it. I'm all in. Let's do it all rated R. You know, the closest incarnation we got was Christopher Nolan's you know Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but with those Zack Snyder DC movies. They didn't want that either. They were like, let's let's have Batman be super badass, but hey, let's remember we're PG thirteen. <laughs> that's right, and that's right. that's the rub right there, dude. Yeah. So we'll see, man. Yeah. We'll see. But, but all right, man. Hey, great segue. 
You ready, Great Chris? Segue. All right, Look at me. this segue. Okay, and just talking about all right, we, we're hating on Star Wars and all this shit, but I'm about to. I'm going to throw my love. I'm going to throw some love out there. Okay. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. And so, this weekend, I went to. I don't know if you saw this, Chris. I went to Tanglewood with my family. I saw. Yeah. Nice. And it was a um, John Williams film night at Tanglewood. And so um, they had a lineup of all John Williams scores. They had um, E.T., they had Jurassic Park, they had Saving Private Ryan, they had other Hollywood kind of uh, scores. I think it's by (laughs) Alfred Newman, is like an old-timey composer, and um, they had... Um, someone con- conducting there and they showed movies like movie clips of so you'd see like the people when they see the dinosaurs in Saving Private Ryan like Sam Neill and stuff like that and they would play the score underneath it was awesome it gave you chills I, I, that's all I could say yeah. is you just got the feels and before they started John Williams actually showed up to Tanglewood and what? He did a, oh yeah live and I, I posted a little pictures and so he came out gave a great spiel and said this it's it's pretty close to his 40th year of conducting at Tanglewood and how he's and then the other conductor came out and said he's really revolutionized how we look at film scores and how we treat them with respect because 40 years ago people were like yeah but it's not cl- it's classical music but it's kind of less than you know i mean uh, mm-hmm. beethoven bach and you know the classics um so he came out and spoke um, I'm watching this, and they're showing these clips from Jurassic Park. They showed the whole intro to E.T., and what the coolest thing about this, Chris, was they would lower the soundtrack of the movie and just have the sound effects, and then the symphony itself would play the score lined up with the movie you would watch. Oh, wow. It was, and, and, the, and the symphony just comes over you, and you just got, when I say chills, just chills up your spine. And then this was all right. This is where the segue comes in. Of course, it's John Williams who scored Star Wars. That's the segue. Um, he comes out for the second half, and he starts conducting the the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Oh. And he conducted, I'm going to say, close to 30 minutes, and he did um, a bunch of Star Wars music. He did uh, the theme. He did Yoda's theme. He did the Imperial March. He did um, the intro music. But here's the thing about the intro and like just the overture of Star Wars. He came out, and before he started playing, he goes, Now, I just want to tell everyone, I'm in Hollywood right now, and I've composed over 100 minutes for the new Star Wars Episode Nine with J.J. Abrams. I'm flying back to Hollywood to compose 40 minutes more. Um, but tonight, you people will get one of the first sneak previews of Episode Nine's music. Whoa! So it started with the fanfare, you know, bam, you know what I mean? It started with the Star Wars, dun, 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 and then it went through the crawl, and then you heard the intro music to Episode Nine, and it sounded sinister, so we're going to start with some dark times. I don't know. That's all I could get from it, so you didn't see anything on the screen. You just heard it, and I was freaking out in the, in the seat. It was one of the most amazing things. Uh, if people are out there and never been to Tanglewood and stuff, it is highly revered. I, and I know it's classical music, but they have concerts there all the time. It's one of the coolest places on earth. I, ho- I hope everyone gets there. But, Chris, just awesomeness. I just had to report that for the podcast, dude. I mean, enough said right there. I mean, yeah. what's weird with John Williams is he's he's by far the most iconic film scorer of, of all time. I mean, there's just – there's he, he's up here, and then everybody else is kind of – Right down there. Um, but what's amazing is that there is no other conductor, and I don't know if you feel this. 
that when I hear his scores, I, I'm transported to a place. Like, you know, Jane, you know, um, uh, Elfman, um, uh, you know, oh. um, yeah, Danny, Danny Elfman, uh, Danny Elfman right. um, the guy, James Horner. I mean, there's, a, there's a couple other few that did, you know, where their scores make me think about those movies. But with, with John Williams, when I hear Indiana Jones, when I hear the Superman theme, when I hear Star Wars, I, I'm like in that world. I don't know what it is about those scores, but they're so atmospherical. Um, and that's, they're just like you said, it's spine tingling good. Um, yeah. So, well, and maybe, maybe, uh, Neo Maricone, the guy that did the no oh, name yeah. trilogy and stuff and like, yeah. uh, mission impossible, like maybe a couple of his scores are that iconic, but just you're sitting there and, and he didn't even do anything from Harry Potter and he did all the Harry Potter scores. I mean, <laughs> so there's so <laughs> many movies that he didn't, they didn't do the jaws theme, but they and they did, they didn't do close encounters, but there's so many others that they could have done. And it was so funny. Cause even before we went, we were going through his, uh, uh, composing uh, credits, and I was like, "What's the most like obscure big movie that he did?" And we found that he did the movie Stepmom. I believe that's Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, he did that one. That was the one. I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Hey guys, can, during the the whole thing, can I yell, play something from Stepmom?" <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> he didn't do that, and then he didn't do um, Chris. Uh, he didn't do anything from the movie 1941. Surprisingly. Surprise! Oh, well, you know. That's very surprising. Hasn't um, aged well, has it? But I got you know props to him though. I mean, here's a guy that doesn't he doesn't need to work anymore. Like he's like you have you have composed enough, sir, and yet he's still doing it, which I think is awesome. Like that's the fact that he's composing episode nine is like you like I'm I'm just like applause applause all around because I know and he he, he was telling stories like during the thing that about how he was in an orchestra. When he in the fifties, so he's got to be eighty something. He's got to be getting up there, and he was hilarious. He was funny. He was self-deprecating up there, and I don't know. It was great, and just such an amazing night. And like, can I just say, Star Wars fans were out in force, like, and it was great. There was people with kids. I brought my kid. He almost made it to the end. It was great, um, and he passed out. <laughs> um, but it was just there was kids everywhere, and like at Tanglewood. Uh, my parents were saying that there's some sort of donation going on that where um, kids 18 and younger can get in for free. So what? someone donated movies or music or sorry, money. So people could uh, bring their kids totally for free. And it's awesome. So the kid comes for free. You bring a bunch of food out there and it's awesome. So I highly recommend Tanglewood. It's if you haven't experienced that or yet, I didn't until this year. I I didn't go since I was like six or something like that. So amazing groundbreaking earth shattering just uh, just amazing good stuff man good stuff awesome all right so for my next pick this week also zipping right back to d23 um they unveiled i don't know if you saw this they unveiled the interface and they did a live demo of what this disney plus app is going to look like oh and i didn't i didn't see this you oh, didn't nice. see this it looks insane it looks insane um, from from just like the user experience of it, it looks very similar to to Netflix. So if okay. you're used to like the way that Netflix looks, it, this would be a very easy transition for you. But very very genius. Like what they've done is they've they've kind of inter- they've like sectioned off everything 
for you as a viewer. So you can, if you just want to see Disney stuff, like you click on Disney. If you want to see just Pixar stuff, you click Pixar. Uh, if you want to see, you know, Marvel, they have all the Marvel stuff there. Um, they even have, um, I didn't realize this was included, and I think in their acquisition of 20th Century Fox, but they have all of National Geographic programming on this Disney app as what? well. So it's <laughs> wow. Like, for kids that like animals and you address, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I used to love those like old 1960s National Geographic like mini docs they used to do. Right. So I hope I hope they do those again because that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, like they they've they've it just looks insane. Um, there's a section where you can look at all of the classic Walt Disney animation. I was like just going to ask that question. That was yep. my like big question, like because Dico loves like old school Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. Then he will be in his glory, it looks like. Because there's, like, I think there's a section that's just, like, old shorts. And, like, you could just watch all the old Disney stuff. Um, so this thing, you know, and, and the pricing is ridiculous. Like, uh, the, the pricing feels like you're stealing from this company. So it, it's incredible. Ben, what, what do you think about Disney Plus? Are you excited? Like, tell me everything, man. I'm wicked excited. I'm, you know what? Like, one of my favorite things is, you know... We talk a lot about YouTube on here, right? And the reason why I love YouTube is it's not because of new content. It's not because of like, oh, you know, oh, a new show's coming out. It's because of old stuff. I like watching classic films, classic shorts, cla- all those things, even educational shorts, weird stuff like that. And for them to host all of those old school cartoons, I'm wicked excited, bro. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, folks. Get, get this app. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just shilling for Disney. They own everything. Yeah, but they're also doing so much for entertainment. So, I go get this app. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to change everything. I can't wait. Yeah, and uh, also, Chris, what do you think is the – okay, here's the question. Here's the hot question. Hot question. All right. Is this the streaming app that finally kills movie theaters? Oh, man. I, I think it might be. Yeah, I mean, remember how yeah. we were talking about, I don't know if it was you and me, we were talking about that story that they have the the Oscar Museum coming out in L.A. and they're building mm-hmm. it up and it's going to be like a historical monument to theaters. And they're plunging all this money into it and it's going, going, going and people are like, oh, why are they spending this money? But in five years, when there's no more theaters, you're going to want to take your kids to a museum where they actually have a movie theater and showing old movies. And I think, you know, the rise, and I, I've even talked in the last couple of months about how I've gone to see like close encounters or a Hitchcock movie around here. I think that's where movie theaters are going is they have to show movies that are so obscure or kind of out of the loop. And they still have the film to them that that's why you go to the movies, not to see a new release. If Disney has a streaming service, imagine when they start releasing things straight to it like Netflix does. That's going to be out of control and that's going to lower their overhead. Of course, they're going to start doing that. Imagine they start, they're going to start with Pixar shorts. Imagine they like released, I don't know about your kid, but imagine they released a Wally short or inside out short. That was Mm -hmm. like 20 minutes long or like a toy story short. And they just started releasing them like 20 minute things with the voices of Tom Hanks and Tom, Tim Allen. And they just started releasing those and just that's their, you know, dipping their toes in the water. Okay. Let's see how much uh, people watch of this. Okay, let's see how much. Oh, wow. We don't have to do distribution. Oh, wait. We don't have to pay theaters to host us. 
Uh, yeah, we're doing that for a major motion picture that's coming out like next year. I, I think next summer it's All right, on. Man, well, I think got, they're going to have a full – and mark week. my words. All right, number they're three. They're not going to have um, – not only they're going to have the Chris, TV shows of Marvel, week, bro. they're going to have yeah. a yeah, full-on really Pixar stuff. movie coming um, out next summer. On that streaming service, this week, not too long ago, I think this was Sunday, that Eddie Murphy will host Saturday Night Live for the first time in decades. But that's happening, bro. Yeah, and I don't know if they they listed his musical guest. Let's see. No, musical guest to be announced. Um, This is huge. I know that, um, Chris, I was a big fan of the 40th anniversary show that they had, Mm -hmm. and especially the stories afterwards that Jimmy Fallon told. About Prince and everything. That was great. That whole thing was great. And that was probably... Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, it was 2015. That was just epic. I remember watching it live, and it was just amazing. We watched it. I think I watched it down in the Man Cave on Full Blast. It was great. And yes. I remember Eddie Murphy had that um, weird kind of cameo monologue thing mm-hmm. where it wasn't prepared. And then post-script, you heard these stories about how they wanted him to play Bill Cosby on Celebrity Jeopardy. And at the last second, he dropped out. You know that story, right? Oh, yeah. I read that. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, to give him credit, it, the Howell Cosby thing was coming out. And he was like, I'm still a fan. I don't want to. It, it felt weird to him. And at the last second, he dropped out. And actually, I can get behind that sentiment. You know, of all the weird mm-hmm. things that Eddie Murphy's been involved with, that one thing, <laughs> like, actually made sense. Uh, right. So I'm finally, I, I'm glad that he finally gets a shot to kind of come back, you know, um, 40 years later 79 80 yeah Yeah, almost and really kind of do it justice chris what do you think about all this you know i i'm unbelievably excited and yet at the same time i'm just unbelievably uh cautious is that the word i'm I'm looking reluctant yes yeah uh just because i don't i don't think snl is in the best writing state we've talked about this many times right to to handle a a host like that you know like we talk about being given like creative gifts only to be screwed up by you know others and this would be one of them like can you imagine like the the snl writers dropping the ball on a historic return by eddie murphy um it'd be awful and at this point i'm like I just hope I hope Eddie brings his own writers in. Like just just give the SNL writers a break that week and just have Eddie bring in the people he wants to bring in, and then they they write the show. I'd be a hundred percent okay with that. Um, yeah, and, well, and uh, yeah. You, you yeah, you read my mind. I mean, it's just like the Adam Sandler episode, right? That happened this year. Yeah. Yep. Nothing that the writers of the show brought. You got the you got a sense that Sandman brought his own material that he either thought of or his writers did, and then he performed stuff from his standup, and those were the iconic moments from that show nothing else really you could see it like it's it's so funny like when you've been watching Saturday Night Live for so long you can kind of see where the the edges are getting worn out (laughs) like you can see Mm -hmm. it kind of getting shakier like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh what's going on here and so with this one I hope he brings a lot of the funny stuff that we know him for. I mean, he's on a renaissance. I hope this doesn't derail his renaissance as far as we talked about that Dolomite movie that's coming out. And we talked yep. about the Seinfeld episode um, that was really funny. And he just seems like he's back in the groove of being funny. And I hope that this doesn't. It's so funny. We talk about him like a scared turtle. I hope we don't. <laughs> this doesn't drive him inwards and away from the public eye again. Is, is that is that fair enough? I don't know. That's that's fair, man. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, yeah, no, I'm 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 with you a hundred percent. So, 
I mean, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like Eddie Murphy's like this delicate flower that we just need to like cradle in a way just to let him be the Eddie Murphy that we, we you know, want back, so to speak. So, yeah, I'm hopeful, but I, I'm I'm cautious at the same time. But um, interesting, interesting that you brought up SNL, though, because I also had uh, an SNL take this week as well. So I was roll it, roll it, roll it. For later, but I mean, this is perfect timing. Uh, it was announced today that Leslie Jones is leaving the show. She's done. Um, yeah. Kind of, I, 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 I mean, it's a heavy blow in terms of, I think, the overall comedic value. Uh, you're, you're talking about a cast member that didn't really have a character on the show, but like her best stuff was when she was being herself, so to speak. And, right. You know, she's a gifted stand-up, so she just knew how to be funny uh, on the spot. So, tough loss. Uh, I mean, she was... You know, we just talked about Eddie Murphy. He's currently filming Coming to America 2 right now, and she's in it, apparently. So that was, Great. like, one of the big reasons why she's like, you know what? I think I'm about to have a second, you know, film career, so maybe it's time to take a step out. And I, I remember I did my my end-of-the-season report card for SNL, and I did, I did call her as one of the people that I would be shocked if, you know, she was on the show much longer because, you know, she's just got a lot of other things going on that she doesn't really you know, need SNL anymore. But the other news that came out, too, I mean, SNL's just all over the place this past couple of days. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Pete Davidson had a, a bit of a controversy once again, because it's Pete Davidson and he can't help himself. Um, to he was, I guess he was doing a stand-up appearance at the University of Central Florida, and one of the rules that he has about his sets is that he doesn't want anybody recording it with their cell phones. Well, apparently he saw someone recording it with their cell phone, and he decided to go on this profanity-laced tirade against this college kid. At one point, I mean, it's part of my language, but he calls him a retard at some point, which is like, he can't, can never say that word in, in 2019. Um, Absolutely and not. It's gotten a lot of, it's gotten a lot of heat. So my question is this, this is like the umpteenth time that we've heard Pete Davidson in the headlines, basically for the wrong reasons. And SNL has always been a show that, you know, it's not one person is bigger than the cast, so to speak. And as soon as that one person starts to feel that they're bigger bigger than the cast, uh, they're usually shown the door and things like that. Uh, I feel that Pete Davidson has, has become such a, a tabloid distraction that I think it's time for SNL to move on and, and let this guy go. Uh, what do you think about all this? Do you think... Pete Davidson should be back on SNL. Do you think it helps, you know, their ratings, the whole nine? Give me, give me your thoughts. Wow. Okay. You give me two big ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, for, let's talk about Pete Davidson. Uh, in, personally, he does nothing for me. Mm. Brings nothing to the show. Maybe he's an amazing writer backstage, but we've talked about our, uh, how the writing's not up to par. So that's not it. Um, yeah, no, he, he, I'm all set. I'm, I'm all set with Pete. He can be gone today. I, I don't care. Mm. Right. I, he, he doesn't. He doesn't do impressions. He, you know, what I mean, like, I, I judge SNL characters, right? Either you are, it's almost like acting in general, okay? Either you're a great mimic, right? You can do impressions. You can you can dress up. You can be an Andy Circus. You can be a, a Ron Perlman, right? You can you can do dive into these roles and become someone else, or you are such a personality like John Belushi, Will Ferrell. Uh, Dana Carvey, it doesn't matter what you're doing on that stage, it's freaking hilarious. 
You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's that's why Dana Carvey was one of the best because he could do he had a funny personality with the crazy sketches and also he could do mimicry too. Um mm. where I don't know what Pete Davidson Davidson's shtick is. And right. uh, it's some sort of like in joke that he's trying to play and they're trying to play when he comes on the I just don't get it. Maybe I'm old. I don't know. Maybe I'm old. <laughs> I just feel it's like a thing that young people laugh at, but I don't. Even, it's not even a show for young people. I don't know. It's it's very confusing. Anyway, I'm with you. Leslie Jones. Let's get to her. Yes. Leslie Jones. I feel like I'm gonna put it like this: was an untapped resource that never was used. Mm. Yeah. Put her in 1993. Put her in 1981. Put her in 2006. Imagine what those writers would do with a woman with her kind of background and with her kind of funniness. Just even though she's not the best actress, you could tell she's really funny. She's a funny stand up. Like right. you could you could insert her into certain scenarios and she would just roll up and just use that kind of loudness, that veracity that she has on stage and just make it funny. Like and just imagine she was just I I don't know. I'm, I'm really literally just making this up. Imagine you just had calm, cool Obama and she was just like hulked out <laughs> Michelle Obama or something like that. Like imagine you did a sketch like that or a run like that. That'd be really funny. Uh, you could do so many things with her kind of big presence on that stage and they just didn't use her at all. Mm. And like I've said, Chris, we're in this age where the show isn't funny. It relies on, ooh, look, there's Ben Stiller. Let's clap for 20 minutes. Ooh, look, it's Robert De Niro. Let's clap for 20 minutes. And the jokes aren't there, and it's just this is kind of wasted time. So good for her for getting out of there. Get rid of Pete. I think they need to clean the slate uh, and just do something else with the show, actually. I think, uh, does this show even make sense in 2019? What do you think, Chris? No, I don't think it really does. I think the, pro- I think the other big th- problem, which I was definitely thinking about this entire time, was I think they've gotten too political. I think people don't want, like, we get enough politics. I mean, we're living in dark political times right now. I don't need to see it on a program that's supposed to make me escape for a little bit and laugh my ass off, you know? Um, But they just keep reminding me about how badly things suck right now, and I I just don't like it. Well, and didn't we, I mean, we got a little, we dipped into a little politics last time, and we talked about how, let's just, let's talk (laughs) talk about the elephant in the room. Donald Trump is different than politics you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there are funny sketches that are about past presidents that are still funny like uh one of my favorite sketches was uh is it is it uh like power reagan with phil hartman yes <laughs> where he's meeting the kids oh okay then he's like let's get back to work and he screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the funniest things ever um so that's still funny because we're it was a different time you might disagree mm-hmm. with Reagan's politics, but my God, that's a funny sketch. And it's supporting – I'm just going to put it out there. I, I, I'll said it before, but Donald Trump supporting white supremacy is not funny. No. And I don't like making jokes about it. I don't even like – I get I get very serious very quick, and it's yeah. awful. Um, so I don't even like to joke about him. I don't want him represented on my comedy show. I, I don't even want to think about him. Uh, it's not even yeah. I'm disagreeing with him politically because he was in the Democratic Party for 20 years or so. It doesn't even make any sense. He's just uh, – I don't even want to get into it. But 
I think you're totally right, Chris. I think they need to limit that to the opening sketch and get rid of it. And or maybe they need to get rid of it because there's so many they're in competition with so many late night shows that are doing it so much better than them. Like Seth Meyers, Colbert, um, Daily Show. Oh my every single show is just nailing it out of the park as far as talking about current politics, making it funny, but actually talking about real events like John Oliver and all those things. I think it's beyond them now i think they need to focus in on a sketch show that is actually funny like and like we've talked about like key and peel key and peel mm-hmm. still are showing us that you can be funny have and sketch comedy is made for youtube i mm-hmm. still show people some of my favorite sketches on youtube because they're three to four minutes long you can pull them up boom you get your advertisement in and I'm, you're all done it, it i it doesn't make sense why they're not translating to youtube saturday night live should be the show that flips to youtube and they were on the right track with the lonely island crew and they need Mm -hmm. to get back to things like that that's where they need to go i'm with you i'm with you good stuff man good stuff um all right man what do you got for your number four this week number four uh (laughs) this is a really quick one all right we just kind of went on a couple rants uh i just read the story comicbook.com comedian bill burr Confirms that he's in the Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Yeah. So he just confirmed it. Hey, at Bill Burr is in the Mandalorian. Well, I guess I got to watch it now. And then he actually retweeted that someone posted that. So I don't know what the role is, what's going on, but Bill Burr is in the Mandalorian. Chris, uh, there was a new trailer that came out um, last week too. Where's your excitement for the Mandalorian? Uh, it's a hundred percent. It's it's the exact and it's the exact polar opposite for um, the rise of Skywalker. So there you go. Me too, um, dude. Me too. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: if you showed me that trailer of the Mandalorian and told me that it was a movie, I would have believed you. Like it looks that good. Like the from the visual effects to the storyline, um, it I'm gonna, looks Chris, that good. Yeah, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to call you out on something. We haven't prepped this. Audience, audience, get ready. Uh, did you see IG-88? No. Oh, all right. Did I go too deep? <clears throat> you went a little deep there, but what? Now I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. What, what is this? All right. So in Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> um, Vader is talking to all the bounty hunters on the, the, the one of the Star Destroyers, right? And of course, it's Boba Fett, and they do this pan of, you know, all the bounty hunters in the universe. Bosk is up there, and IG-88 is up there, and he's like a robot killing droid, and he's got, like, guns and stuff. And he was always, it looked like a freaking uh, top of, like, a, I don't know, like a pipe cleaner or something like that. I, I don't know, it looks like an old, like, tin can. But they actually show him in the trailer killing things. It's totally IG-88, and he is a badass bounty hunter. I cannot wait. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a deep cut. You got you to gotta do some research on IG-88. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut, but I'm with it. I'm with it. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm That's excited awesome. for this. I'm totally I'm – totally, so anyway, so I'm so with you on the excitement. So what is that, Chris? Why are we excited for that and not for Episode 9? Oh, because it, it looks – promising in terms of storyline and compellingness and visuals and uh, <laughs> and rise of skywalker doesn't um no i think it's 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 one of those things where 
we can't base it off of anything we've seen before because I don't know anything about this this character, this this storyline, and that's what makes it exciting. That's I mean, even even Rogue One, um, which we all kind of knew the basis of, still really didn't know a lot of details about this whole thing. So it made us curious. It made us interested. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah, and even for Rogue One and its flaws we still kind of respect it for taking a concept in a universe that we loved and just running with it. And I love it. Love it. Love yeah, it. Dude. All right. That was a Can't quick wait. one, but Bill Burr's, quick in one. Bill Burr's in the show too. But Bill Burr's in it someplace. So we'll find him. We'll find him. <laughs> We're going to find Bill Burr. He's going to be like from Southie or something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm a, bounty hunter. I'm a bounty hunter. What do you, who do you need killed? I'm going to take him out. Is it a Yankees fan? I'll take him out. Oh God. Speaking of which, if you haven't seen, uh, for folks out there, if you haven't seen F is for Family on Netflix, his animated TV show, it's one of the best things. Have you seen this, Ben? No, my friend Dan is yelling at me because I haven't seen it. Like, I, <laughs> I went over, what are you watching cartoons? He's like, dude, this show is so funny. So I, I, it's on my to-do list. Oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good. It's so good. It's Bill Burr at his finest. But, I just um, love, his, I love his voice. I listen to his pod, his pod every time I can. <laughs> but just... Just think it. That'd be great. It'd be like, all right, we have Bosk. He's from this sector of this, gen- you know, and we have uh, Boba Fett. He was son of Jenga Fett, and then we got uh, Timothy O'Leary from South Boston. <laughs> he just comes out. He's got a baseball bat. He's like, who do- who needs killing? From I'm a Mandalorian. Whatever the hell that means. Here we go. We're gonna kill some people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man. Oh man. Good stuff, dude. Bounty Hunter right. Bill Burr. I'm, I'm all in. But <laughs> is that my new stand-up character? Can I can that be like my yeah. uh my uh kind of shticky kind of Dana Carvey thing? Bill just, Burr in the Mandalorian. Uh, Bounty Hunter Bill Burr. Your uh, mini impression. I love it. Yeah, that's right. I'm Bounty Hunter. I ain't I'll just I'll just knock uh, Han Solo's block off. I ain't freezing him in Cabinite. Whatever the hell Cabinite is. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Good stuff, dude. Good stuff. Um, all right. So for my number four, also kind of real quick, um, Ben, I was watching TV the other day, and I think it was a Verizon commercial. It was some commercial for some product. I can't, I can't remember what it was. But I saw an actor in that commercial that I recognized. He was the guy, again, I don't know his name, but he was on uh, Mr. Show. He was. He played. I'm trying to think of some of his characters. Oh, but he. he I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. The um, tall guy, Abraham. Yeah. He played Abraham Lincoln in the mustard mayonnaise. Oh, <laughs> yeah, shit. let's get the hell out of here. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> like he's the guy in the lie detector set, test that asks him, "Have you ever uh, eaten the train piece by piece after you <laughs> derailed it with your penis?" That guy, right? <laughs> yes. It was for charity. It was. It's for a charity. charity. Um, that guy. So I saw yes. that guy in a commercial and I, I, immediately I said, I am so happy that he's in that commercial. Like I was so happy that he was getting work that like, I was like, it just, Jay, it just was Jay one Johnson. of those things. Jay Johnson. Thank you. Yes. Jay, I knew that. Thank you. Um, just, just overwhelmingly, I, I found myself profoundly happy to see him in like getting, featured in a commercial and I was like good for him for getting some good work uh and things like that so it just reminded me of times where I saw actors that I hadn't really seen in a while that like all of a sudden they just pop up in something and I'm like you know what we all know this industry we know how hard it is to like make it in this industry 
and to survive and thrive and just to see people getting, you know, consistent work or good work or whatever it is, uh, just or it warms my heart, so to speak. So I just wanted to bring that up and, and shout outs and props to that guy. But Ben, I wanted to ask you, you know, have you ever felt anything similar to that? Oh, all, all the time. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like uh, I see things that other people don't see almost like a delusional person. (laughs) Nice. And I know their names just like when I was watching once upon a time in Hollywood and people in the theater must want to throw popcorn at me or punch me in the back of the head when I would scream like, Ooh, James Remar. When it was just a guy's face on the screen getting punched. (laughs) Right. I know that's Ajax from the warriors. Or I was like, there was one dusty cow poke, like a black guy with a mustache. And I was like, is that Keith David? <laughs> and I didn't even look it up. And I was like, that might be Keith David. And I said this out loud by myself in the theater. So, Chris, this happens all the time. But more importantly, Chris, can we talk about something really, really, really serious? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Tom Kinney. We're going to meet him at New York Comic Con. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about that. And I'm going to put that right out there on the internet because this man needs to know that I'm going to make a silkscreen T-shirt of Mr. Show and with his face on it and have so many Mr. Show <laughs> questions. <laughs> he, like everyone's going to be talking about SpongeBob and I'll be like, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but we're here to talk about Mr. Show and Mr. Show rolls <laughs> like just 100,000%. So I hope he knows that the stalker person in me is coming to ask. It's about coming. Mr. Show. It's, it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> oh, I love it. I it's like me it. for me. It's to me. I, I won't go Chris. I know it was an underground show, right? I know that there's just a certain sect of people that know Mr. Show. But in my eyes, Mr. Show is I'm gonna this is a hot take of the week. We haven't had many hot takes. We've been agreeing Ooh. with each other. Uh Mr. Show for me is as important to me as Monty Python. Wow. Like meeting Tom Kenny is like meeting. I'm not gonna say it's like meeting a John John Cleese because that would be like Bob or David. I'm gonna say it's uh, meeting like a Graham Chapman. Like Tom Kenny was like really funny on the show. Um, so I'm super <laughs> excited and I'm like amped the fuck up to meet this guy. I cannot wait. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. I mean, even, I I had a similar experience watching The Mandalorian. I mean, Carl Weathers is oh the yeah, Mandalorian. oh yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, I, was I like, saw that. This would be great. I had no idea who was in it, so as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "Carl Weathers, <laughs> that's amazing." You know, it's the um, most bummer thing ever. Like Carl Weathers was like, is a great actor, right? And I just mm-hmm. like he has a great fucking '80s action movie in Action Jackson, <laughs> and he's got like you know like he's a great actor. And I, I remember he was on the Shield for like three episodes or something, and I was like so bummed they didn't use him more. He's just a good actor that's just sitting there. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's choice by him i just hope that his part in the mandalorian isn't like him getting shot into the tail by uh greedo or something like that you know what I mean? right right exactly exactly so good good for people getting like you know good work and things like that so there you go there you go there you go all right ben what's your number five this week my man number five i would be remiss to not talk about the new trailer for the breaking bad movie coming out called el camino mm. um chris breaking bad what's the deal all right. Um, I, this is gonna be awkward. Whoa. Um, I've I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Um, uh, like not a not a lick. 
Like uh, not a, I, not a second. Like I've seen, I've seen maybe the first seven episodes and then I stopped. Whoa! All yeah. right, talk about hot take. Hot takes. So, were you watching when it first started? Or did you try to go back? I I went back. I probably okay. started. I probably started watching season one when it was on season three when people were saying like, "Oh, oh. you gotta watch the show." Okay. Yeah. Things like that. And I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a shot," and. People told me, like, you got to get past, like, the first, like, seven or eight episodes, and then it really heats up and things like that. I, I, I didn't make it. Th- I didn't make it there. So um, it's one of those things where it's it's on my to-do list of, to get to really get into because, you know, I have no reason not to. And, you know, it's, everybody's told me it's amazing. So um, I, I, I do do my goal is to get back into it. I just haven't haven't done so yet. And I wow. feel I feel bad. Wow. <laughs> That is the take I was not expecting. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about it anyway. Go ahead. I mean, well, I'll be honest with you. I know how the show. I know how the series ends overall. Right. Like the series finale. So right. you know, nothing, nothing, no spoilers there. But you know, yeah, I haven't seen anything. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. So, uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna test you out again. You didn't know who IG88 was. And <laughs> oh man, that's <laughs> a just, bad episode I'm for just, me. I'm just digging into you. Uh, <laughs> just let me down, bro. Uh, <laughs> IG88 is such a deep cut. It's out of control. Um, but he's the spinny robot in that Mandalorian trailer. Oh, but it. anyway, <laughs> now you'll be like, oh, who gives a shit, Ben? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, Breaking Bad, for being in the golden age of television is what that's what they're calling it now. Um, between that, Mad Men, The Wire. Um I'm going to say I like Mad Men and The Wire above it. Um, but, I mean, it's a close race up there when you're when you're at that level of production. Um, Breaking Bad, for me, actually, I actually liked the show early on. So I don't know who was telling you that stuff, but I actually liked the show when it was early on. And actually, when it got a little ridiculous, I had to kind of slog through it to get to the end, which is a mm. kind of, that's a hot take in itself. When people were getting into it, I was like, ugh. Um the show, Chris, that I would recommend for you now is Better Call Saul. Okay. Which, um, there's some Easter eggs in there for Breaking Bad, but not necessary for you to watch it. And Bob Odenkirk, speaking of Mr. Show, is the main character. And he's Better Call Saul, and he is phenomenal. In it. That would be the show to go back and do. Um, I just think... All right, Chris, uh, never mind that you didn't see it. That's not what I wanted to ask you about, actually. Okay, all right. The question that I had when I saw this trailer was, do you think this is a good move for a TV show that was so revered to come back with a TV movie posthumously? Hmm. That's my question. It's a great question. Um, huh. Like, imagine if, like, like a, a, a revered show, like, imagine if Mad Men came back with a TV movie. Sure. Or, uh, what would you think about that? Just in general, what do you think about that? I don't like it. I don't like it when they change mediums, I guess you could say medias. Like, TV belongs in TV, movies belong in movies, if that makes sense. It just seems weird. Like, I didn't feel... I can't believe I'm admitting this. I felt weird about the Sex and the City movie because... Like that's TV. Like it doesn't belong. It's movies. Man, um, this is a tough pod for you. You admit it. Oh, talking about you watched the whole series of Sex and the City, but you didn't have time to watch Breaking no, Bad. No, I didn't watch the whole series of Sex and the City. <laughs> watched. I watched a good couple seasons there, but um, 
I was dating a girl that became my wife, and she really wanted to see the movie. Uh, so I tried to get, I tried to Look score to some points. Put putting some work in. Good for you. <laughs> put, put some work in. Um, <laughs> by the way, still uh, not to go off a tangent, but that was the yes. most profoundly entertaining movie watching experience because, like, it was Valentine. I think it came out Valentine's Day weekend, which was very smart of them to do that. Of course. Um, so good every marketing. guy, it's just good marketing. Great marketing, just good marketing. <laughs> I, I I went to go see it in the theater, and like every couple in there was like the girl was ridiculously excited, and like every guy looked like they wanted to be someplace else. So they had their phones open, like no, every guy's was, face was illuminated by a phone <laughs> right in their laps. It was <laughs> phenomenal because it felt like we all gave each other a head nod as we walked in, like yeah, yeah, buddy, you two. Yeah, this could <laughs> be a rough one, bro. It's get a rough one for all of us. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think unless it, unless it like tells a, a compelling story or, or something along those lines, I just don't see the need for it. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe if you go back, Chris and watch Brad, better call Saul, they mm-hmm. took this, this very minor character in breaking bad. I mean, he is, a he's, he's not so my, I would call him a main character, but he's not like one of the main characters. He's, mm-hmm. A side guy, but they they made him so interesting. So if they do something like this with this, I mean, it's in the right hands. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. and it's with Netflix, who's been proven to give money to people who like being creative. So I mean, the stars are aligning for this to actually work, but it still makes you nervous. I think you you read my mind with my question. Is it makes me nervous when anything jumps formats and you posthumously have uh something from a show that has gone it's like it's like coming out with a wired movie today i mean i was pleasantly surprised with the deadwood movie that came out that was awesome mm, okay um i was i mean it, it definitely didn't reach the heights of deadwood but overall i was like that was a nice ribbon and it was a nice ribbon on a, a show that was canceled too early where mm-hmm. breaking bad got its 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 say and its run and was not canceled early. So maybe that's the difference between Deadwood and Breaking Bad. So I don't know. I'm nervous. Nervous, nervous, nervous. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Uh, all right. So for my number five, um, real quick, uh, I have my my fantasy football draft this past weekend. Ooh, I got I got one on uh, Wednesday and two on uh, Sunday. Get out of here. Oh, my gosh. So you're, you're in a bunch of leagues. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in two. Uh, I'm in a dynasty league. So... We've already kind of done our rookie draft already. Uh, and then how this many is people? My... Wait, how, how many people do you keep? Uh, your entire roster. Oh, and you drop at will during the season. Yep. Gotcha. Yep, and then during the off season as well. So, so who do you draft? Um, <laughs> you just draft rookies, and then, um, like, depending upon how the salaries work in that league, like sometimes you'll just drop a guy because his salary just gets outrageous. And like, for instance, like like one of the teams this year dropped Drew Brees. Because his salary was like ridiculous, and said like, "I've got." I think he had Dak Prescott as his backup quarterback, so he's like, "I'll just ride with Dak." I'll just ride with Dak, right? Things like that. So that's what happens there. But um, I had so we had our our another one. Uh, both our, our uh, another league I'm involved in this past Sunday, um, and I'm glad that it it happened on Sunday because the night before we found out that Andrew Luck was retiring. So that was like, what is going on? Dodge the bullet. Disney. Yeah, dodge the bullet there, but. Um, it was funny as I as we were drafting, um, I remarked to my buds, and I said, 
you know, you do realize we're we're almost forty year forty year old men doing fantasy football. Um, and it kind of we it kind of started a discussion uh, during breaks where it was like, you know, like this is like maybe the last bastion of like us playing like baseball in the streets and things like that. Like this is this is it for us. Like this is like kind of the older version of that and um, how how entertaining it is. Uh, because you're kind of you know making something bigger than yourself, so to speak. But uh, Ben, as a fellow fantasy football player, I just wanted to gauge your excitement for fantasy football, how much you love it. Just any general thoughts whatsoever. Excellent. Uh, you know what? It's weird, Chris. We've never even well, we've only the pod's only been around since the winter, since right. winter time. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mandalorian Bill Burr came out. <laughs> I'll take the bounty. <laughs> Who's gonna be killed? Oh, I love it. I love I'll take it. Him in the basement. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so since we started the pod, we really haven't talked about fantasy football. And for me, I've been doing fantasy football for a long time. I'm going to say since 2004. Nice. And where um, the guy that ran the league, we had to, we had to pay the website to host us. So, and that was back in the day where if you weren't near a computer on Sunday, like if you went on vacation in New Orleans, for example, you had to find an internet cafe. And so kids out there won't know what that is, <laughs> but you had to actually go there to look at your roster the day of and pay 1095 to use their internet. Crazy. That was nuts. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've done PPR. I've done um, auction. I've done everything. And Chris, I took uh, kind of like a semi-break last year. I didn't do as many leagues as possible. Um, but I think there is something to what you're saying is, is I'd, I would hate to see the fantasy sports get phased out. I mean, I'm sitting here five minutes from a sports book where I can just bet any sport known to man. And mm. that's across everywhere in the country. Do you think this is going to be in a passe thing in a couple of years? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I don't, I I don't think so. I think, I think what we might get is like a different type of fantasy. Like I think like that daily fantasy stuff um, will, as soon as they figure out in the courts, like is it gambling? Is it you know fantasy sport? Things like that. Um, I think if that becomes, if that takes off, then yeah, I think that fantasy football as we know it, where you have you know one team for an entire season, so to speak, might fade out. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do think – I don't think that, like, fantasy sports as a whole would be phased out, but I do think that it will change drastically. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I could see, like, the face of – I mean, the face of fantasy football has changed dra- – seriously, 04 was my league, where we would have to do a live draft, and then someone would have to import the board the next day. Um, and that's something that uh, we did traditionally in my league just for fun, you know, to keep mm-hmm. it old school. But, um, you know, now everything's online. We're just getting together actually out of tradition on Sunday. You know what I mean? We're going to hang out, get some food together, and just nice. like do that. You know, so we're keeping that tradition, but it doesn't really have to be. I'm in a league with, with someone that's from Florida right now. So, And that's actually the first person that started my draft in 04. So it's kind of cool. Bring it round circle this year. Wow. Um, so, or full circle. So I can see traditions change. There's something about like the interaction with people, but as you know, you don't have to know the people you're in the league with, which is kind of weird in itself for me too. 
Like I'm used to smack boards aren't as fun in a league like that. <laughs> I'm a king mm. of smack boards, just like a Mandalorian Bill Burr would be. I am just, <laughs> I can talk some smack. Um, so Chris, Love what it. is your, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. What is your kind of drafting strategy this year for standard leagues? What, what, who are you looking at? Do you have a, do you have a, just an overall strategy right now? Well, I mean, I already have my draft, so I, I'll just give you my strategy. Um, yeah. I did something different this year where a lot of times I'll go for the running back. I'll say, you know what? I need to have good, good running back situation. Um, I'll worry about the quarterback and wide receivers later on, but running back is where it's at. And I looked at how our points and the way we score in our league, and I realized that having that one player, so to speak, that is perhaps head and shoulders above everybody else in their respective position seems like more to be more important. So I had, I had, I was actually, I'm in a 12 team league. We did a snake draft and I was actually had the 12th pick. So what's nice about that. Oh, I love that. I love that I so love much. It. Cause then you're picking back to back, which is Yeah, awesome. I love that. Um, so with my 12th pick, I took Travis Kelsey off the board, the first tight end. Um, off the board because nice I felt pick. like he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Of course. Um, the second pick I took to start the second round, I said, let me try to get the quarterback that is head and shoulders above everybody else. And I was lucky enough to be able to take the first quarterback, which was Patrick Mahomes. So I've got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey as my first two picks. Um, I won't lie. Like my, my running back situation later on, not great. I mean, I think I've got like Derek Henry and like, Chris Carson or something like that from Seattle. Oh, so it's not, I like it's not, I I like Chris Carson. Yeah, not it's not lie. terrible. I like it's him. Not, That's not a terrible pick. You know, he's going to get some touches, and they lost a couple people that they that they've lost a couple people that run for them. So I think that's mm. Chris. You're okay, dude. I think you're I think okay. I'll be okay. Um, my my wide receiving game I think could be a lot better. I I I, I off the top of my head, I know I've got AJ Green who's not healthy. Right this right. second, but hopefully we'll be healthy. Right. Um, but I mean, it's not it's not outstanding. But I I mean, I I've got a quarterback that is easily could put up thirty point thirty fantasy points a game. Of course, I've got his number one. What will probably be his number one target now, um, uh, in Travis Kelsey. So I'm I'm ha- I'm happy. How about you? I, I I'll put it this way. Actually, I don't want, I don't I don't even want to I don't want you to tell me because we're we're I'm going to release this podcast before Sunday. Oh, I'm, so I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. okay? I, yeah, I'm okay. Like, I mean, well, I'm gonna talk about my drafting strategy overall. Um, is usually I look at the projections for the teams for the year. Uh, usually, that's my my strategy. Is I like having a player on a good team. I don't care if I have the number one running back on the New York Jets if they're gonna suck this year. <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? I like having the number three wide receiver on an awesome team. You know what I mean? Like something like that. That's kind of my strategy. And it's been my strategy for a long time. Uh, this year, I want to talk about two players in, uh, with you right now. Okay. How are we doing with time? Are we doing okay with time? Cause I we're, want to get into good. It. Okay. Please go. Yeah. Cause we haven't talked in a while, Chris, and I'm just, I'm just waiting. <laughs> I could feel it in my personal life uh, that I haven't like just <laughs> talked about stuff. What are your thoughts on two ex-Pittsburgh Steelers, Le'Veon Bell <laughs> and Antonio Brown? I would stay away from both of them. Me too. 
I am. I am. I am going to stay away from both of them. What are you? Why are you staying away from them? Um, well, first, I, I would stay away from Le'Veon Bell because of two reasons. One, he's playing behind a very <clears throat> so-so, below-average offensive line in New York with an offensive coordinator that I'm not exactly sure knows what he's doing yet. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> and also, he hasn't played football in a year, so that's not like you can. You, he can stay as much shape as he wants. When you stay out of the game for a year, it's going to have an impact on you. I don't care who you are, and we're going to. Right. See, I'm sure we're going to see that this year. Um, on the flip side, with Antonio Brown, uh, again, he's in the system. I don't necessarily trust just yet with a quarterback that is not Ben Roethlisberger in terms of ability. So that's something to be said as well. Uh, plus, I think he's crazy. I think he's. I think he's. Uh, he's a nutbag, a nutcase right now. So, <laughs> like, and we've we've seen we've seen diva, you know, wide receivers in the past. Of um, course, this it, it never it never works out in their favor. Like anytime, like T. If you look at To, you look at Chad Ochocinco, all their best years came before the diva attitude. Um, it's it's those years that led to the diva attitude, and so to speak. So with Antonio Brown, I just I don't think we're going to see a good season from him at all. I would I would stay away from him until unless he's available in like the you know fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Then you of course you take him, but I wouldn't take him with my first two, three picks. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I'm I'm on board with both those uh, takes right there, and and there those are the two takes that I think people are going to jump, and they're going to go nuts on. You know what I mean? They're they're really going to go nuts on those things, and. Uh, now here's the question. Here's the other question for you, Chris. Before I'm, uh, you're the expert because you already drafted. Um, <laughs> what about Odell Beckham Jr. this year? I think he will go very high. I think I I think he's gonna be okay. He's on the wait. Am I am I getting Browns? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. I I, I, I think I did a couple mock all of a sudden, today. Yeah, all of a sudden that offense looks fantastic, and it's like I know. wait, Cleveland Browns. Um, what do you think of the Browns this year? I, I think they have an outside chance of – I think they're definitely a playoff contender. I think um, so, too. I, I, that, I totally think so. That division just doesn't seem like there's not a runaway team for me in that division. Um, I mean, they could they could really, really, you know, make a run for this thing. So, um, <clears throat> I like – I mean, I like Nick Chubb. I like Odell Beckham. I like Baker I'm drafting Mayfield. him, too. I'm, I'm drafting Nick Chubb. I'm drafting Odell. I, I, I'm going, like, a Browns roster this year. Why not? I mean, it's uh, it should be it should be an exciting one. But I I think you know the nice thing is uh, our league doesn't have kickers, which I really like. You just there's no oh, kickers. I love that. You know, like <laughs> I, I, when I was a commish, I would almost negate them. I would almost like take away like any minuses. You know, it's like minus two for a missed field. I would go like minus one. Like, I was just almost like not even have them like on the team. It was kind of right. silly. Yeah, so I like I like the fact that we don't have kickers. We have what's called a super flex um, team. So that means you have one flex position, which is usually a wide receiver running back, and then you have a second flex, which is either a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, hmm. Next year, I want to go. Uh, our, our league is talking about even going further, where you can have a third flex and it could be a quarterback. So you can have you could actually start two quarterbacks um, the same week, which would be crazy, crazy. That's to what think am about. I? That's one of my uh, other leagues. It gets uh, it's a little much when you're playing in much. Like two different leagues. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But uh, I like that. I like I like playing around with rosters. It's it's a fun time. So um, yeah, fantasy sports, man. I love it. 
Yeah, dude. We'll get into it. You know what, man? Football's coming. I can't wait to hear. You know, maybe uh, next week we'll talk about our picks for uh, AFC, NFC, and uh, Super Bowl champs. Ooh, I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's dude. Do We're it. talking about, so. hey, it's an entertainment podcast. Why don't we get into entertainment? Right. Are you not right? entertained? I love it. I love it, man. Well, let's go YouTube, my friend. Let's let's keep this ball rolling. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do it. So, what do you got this week for for YouTubing? All right, I only have a couple, actually. Okay, I'm right. kind of light on the YouTubing. Um, so I've talked a little bit about Joe Rogan, uh, and his podcast. Um, Joe Rogan can be divisive on a couple things. I'm a UFC kind of fan, um, so I like him in that area. But sometimes he has a really good guest. And there, he had this uh, guest on, a former CIA agent, Mike Baker, and he's warning us about deep fakes. Do you know what deep fakes are, Chris? No. So deep fakes are when you take someone's face and put it over someone's body. It's like a CGI thing. Okay. Like you've probably seen like uh, Nicolas Cage's face put on like Tom Cruise's body or something like that on YouTube. Oh, sure. Or, yep. Yeah. Yep. And he says that, so the CIA agent, he's not talking about like funny videos like that. He's talking about in the next election, you better watch out for people editing video in such a subtle way that it makes you second guess their intelligence. And he he specifically talked about, there's a video of Elizabeth Warren and whoever made this video slowed it down like half a second. So it made her look like she was slurring her words, like she was drunk. Oh, jeez. And actually made her look dumb. Imagine if someone got a hold of clips of that and didn't say it was like a political statement and just put them out there as a YouTube video and then it went viral and then everyone started saying, oh, this woman's drunk and she's not so smart as they say. Like he says, that is the new face of political, like, uh, like, anti-political ads that you see on like TV, you know, like he did this, this is the new thing to actually just release footage on the internet that doesn't make a person look good or actually putting someone's face on another body and making them look crazy. So crazy. So that was my first pick and it's a really shocking video. So it's very basic, but then you're starting thinking about, it, you're like, yeah, this is like the new thing. Uh, and then Chris, I want to talk to you about, Raphael Devers going six for six in one freaking game with four doubles. Did you see the highlights of that game? I did. What Ridiculous. is up with Devers this year? He is at Ted Williams stats. He is batting 326 right now. He's reached Ted Williams numbers like halfway through the season. I'm just so happy. Even if like these Red Sox can't get it together to I don't know, make the playoffs or whatever the hell is going on with them. At least we have some personal records going on, right? Is that, is that, is that what's going on? I mean, I, I guess I can take solace on that. I don't know. Like, I feel bad. It's like, it feels like a wasted year. <laughs> it's like you could mm-hmm. have this great, great season and, you know, chances are you're not going to make the play. I mean, there's six games behind the wild card, so it could happen. I mean, they could go on a run, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it ain't looking good, but yeah, Raphael D. I mean, I, there's so much to like about this team, and yet, you know, the thing that kills me about the Red Sox is their biggest problem was their biggest problem we all recognized before the season started, which was their bullpen. We all right. said we all saw it. Kimbrel wasn't saw, coming back, right? It was like it was plain as the you know the sun is in the sky, 
and they did nothing to improve it. And sure enough, it's been their Achilles heel all year long. And so, yeah, it's and as sad as as weird as it sounds, I mean, I know they just won the World Series last year. I know that like, I I, I feel like I can't really complain as a Sox fan, but I would not be like. I would not be sad if they fired Dave Dombrowski over the summer because like this was such a glaring issue that any, any first year GM could have seen and fixed. And you're the freaking Red Sox. Like, how could you not bring back Kimbrel? Like what, what was his demands too high that you couldn't fit it into your budget and things? Like, I just, exactly. I There's no oh. salary cap in this league. Just <laughs> pay the man. Who gives you're a shit? Sox. It's not like it's, Right, and I was just going to say that for NFL, we got parity. Like, the Cleveland Browns are looking good this year. But in MLB, it's the Yanks Sox. Just pay these people. Just pay the man. Just pay the man. And uh, I just I, – I I'm just beside myself because it's – and it's sick because it, it's things like Devers where it's like you guys are just having crazy, crazy years and it just feels wasted because this team just isn't performing as well as it should be. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Um Real YouTube quick, my, yeah, what do you my, my, my YouTube in real quick for the first time ever, the show Veep. Did you ever, did you ever get on board with Veep? Yeah, I watched, I watched a bunch. Yeah, I watched good, a bunch. Good. So for the first time ever, they're releasing gag reels for the first time. Like, Oh, I and, didn't know this. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> so up until now, we've never, this is the one show, this show in Silicon Valley are the two shows I've been begging to see like gag reels from, because I can only imagine the hilarity, the improv that takes place. Uh, and we're finally seeing it with Veep. They released the um, gag reel for season seven, the last season. And it is everything you could possibly want and hope for. They show alternate takes of like insults that they threw at one another. Um, you know, what cracks the, these people up and things like it's, it's just like Gary, Gary Cole is off his. Oh, I love um, Gary Cole. In this thing. So, um, it's, it's everything you could have hoped and wished for. Um, so oh, yeah, I'm going to watch up. that dude. I'm going to watch that. That's great. <laughs> like, I mean, one of my favorite things of all time is the Seinfeld blooper real show. Oh like my the God. Full, yes. With Julia Louis Dreyfus is just out of control. By what way, the hell does that mean? <laughs> side note, side note. Has she had one of the great, like, is she, let me ask you this. Has she had the greatest career in comedy in the history of television like she i mean she's won more emmys i think than any other actress in the history of emmys so that's just besides the point has she has she had the best career (laughs) this might seem really no this might seem really messed up and i hate to go like male female but has she had one of the best female careers in acting ever i I think so. Like talking about success. I mean, measuring success. Not everyone likes to measure success on, um, you know, money and awards. Right. right? But she has both of them. Yeah. And then, but she's also worked with some of the funniest, most creative people of all time. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And that like, cause a lot of people will forgo money and success to go work with, someone on an independent movie she's done all that and worked with some of the best creatives in the biz i I think she is like one of the most successful actresses of all time i think we could put her in that category oh 100 i mean to go from seinfeld to the 
uh, what is it? The New Adventures of Old Christine, which I mean, it was a short, it was a short-lived CBS series, but she won like two Emmys from right. that series. Uh, and then like Veep is just on another level. Um, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's really one of those things where you say, yeah. Hey, Chris, wait. Has she? Wait. No. How many movies has she been in? Like besides See, Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing, and by the way. Oh, amazing. Oh, shower amazing. first. Shower first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought about that actually. Like I, I could I think she's in that movie North that okay. with like Elisha Wood. Everyone's um, in that movie. <laughs> everybody and everybody and their mothers in that movie. Um I can't I, I mean, I don't know and I, again, we talk. I mean, she also was on SNL for a couple of years, so forget it. We, a lot of people forget that too. Um, right. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of like. She was on I mean, Fridays, and then she was on Saturday Night Dead. <laughs> that was her like career well, before Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Yes. That was really it. And maybe she's in uh, a bunch of like late '80s movies that we don't know, but maybe. But man, but, like I mean, when you think of like best actresses of all time, you think of uh, Meryl Streep or Glenn Close, or you know what I mean, like that right. kind of caliber. And it's movies, but with, uh, of course, with her, it's all about her roles on TV. All about that. I mean, it, 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 she will always be Elaine. I mean, even when Jerry gave her honors um, in the. Um, Kennedy Center Awards, like called her Laney. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. You know, mm. unbelievable, unbelievable actress. Um, who, I mean, she could she could hang it up now and be fine. But I'm I'm sure. I mean, well, she's gonna be. I think she's a voice in the next Pixar movie called Onward. Um, so she's she's go. got that coming out. But I mean, she could be she could be like I'm I'm good I'm done and I think we'd be okay with it because she's just she's she's accomplished everything she you know we could possibly want from herself. So. Yeah, good for her, man. Good for her. Dude, this was a good podcast. This was good this week, man. I hope we made it up to the fans uh, by being two weeks off and giving them a bunch, a long one, and a bunch of hot stuff happened. But I think we we, we pressed upon some of the big things that happened in the past couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. We introduced a new character. I mean, Bill Burr and the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc like, Vader, he wants me to go to uh, Dagobah, take out a little uh, green guy. But, uh, you know, he's wearing green, and that's a Sox color, so I ain't going to kill him. So, oh uh, you know, F that guy. <laughs> I could only, like, what if what if that's actually the character, and, like, I, that would be the best amazing The whole thing. The Mandalorian's just a parody show. They're, oh, my God, it's just a comedy. And Bill Burr's your main character. What? Oh, you want me to? Thing All right, I'm going to take orders from this giant worm. He's He's got a lair, and he's got a hole in the floor. What am I going to do? <laughs> a bantha fada? I don't even want to. I scooped Bantha Fada when I was a kid. <laughs> Bantha Fada is one of the funniest things to say when uh, you got the Boston accent on. <laughs> you have nothing but a, a fuzzy little Nerf header. Uh, I love it. I can do that I for days. You can do it for days. <laughs> do it for days. Oh, I love it. Well, Ben, man, good stuff this week. Uh, you know, like I said, we'll be back next week. I mean, I already know there's a couple stories coming out that I'm sure we're going to talk about next week that I don't want to. Don't want to tease too much, but it's it's gonna be out there. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm gonna keep plugging it until it happens. You know, Ben's going to Comic Con this year, so um, I cannot wait to see 
what happens, you know, from from his weekend there. It's gonna be great. Yeah, we get we gotta talk about uh how I'm gonna report that if we want words or audio or what the hell. So oh, yeah. I can't talk about it all. Yeah, dude. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you next week right here on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Have a great week.